I'm Eric Miller, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson. With me, as ever, is play-by-play analyst Callum Williams. Cal, your feelings about the end of the World Cup? Sadness? Relief? Hangover? I mean, soccer hangover, of course, <laughs> is, is what I mean. Um, a mixture of everything, to be honest, Steve. It's, it's, it is a real shame that it's over, isn't it? Yeah. You know? But now I do feel like I can get my life back on track. Right. I got no really doubt. used to just there being soccer on all the time, mm-hmm. which is great. And then as it gets closer to the end, less soccer, but it means a lot more. Yeah. You know? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I felt, uh, you know, um, it was – I felt almost exhausted by the end of it because, you know, there's, there's so much, which is fabulous, as you say, but um, – I just don't think I've got any work done for the last month, you know. Sure, <laughs> it's sure. Been, it's been it's been great. It really, really has. Um, so yeah, I'm sad. I, I was chatting with somebody about this the other day and saying, you know, this this has been a, at least in my lifetime the the best World Cup I, I can ever imagine and the best World Cup we could have possibly hoped for, you know, with the exception of you know the United States not being in the World Cup. But sure. um, it, it's going to be a World Cup that is going to be remembered for a very, very long time. Um, for all the right reasons as well, which which is fabulous. So, um, to answer your question, though, Steve, yeah, I mean, I'm um, I'm sad. I really, really am. But now we can go and concentrate uh, on the uh, the other leagues that are making their return. Um, the Premier League returns in just I think it's over three weeks. You know, which uh, is is crazy. What sure. off season? You know, I know, right? <laughs> um, obviously, we have the ICC to look forward to. We've got a game here in town. Um, and obviously, we'll be concentrating firmly on, on Major League Soccer as well. Yeah. The the quality of that final was also terrific, I thought. Like, just, you know, because there's so so often, in a lot of sports, y- you can have a lot of build-up to a final that then, oh, it's 1-0, or it's, mm-hmm. you know, or it just doesn't it just doesn't spark. But um, I, little, I had a little trouble getting myself completely free to watch, watch the game on, on Sunday. Uh, but what I saw... Just, I mean, the action was terrific. There, you know, there was plenty of goals in it. Um, great to see Mbappe score as the first mm. teenager to score in a final since Pele. Yep. Uh, so I, I just felt like it, it had it had a lot. It was nice also because um, obviously a Croatia upset would have been huge. That team was a lot of fun to watch. I really got behind them with the, the amount of grit they showed and winning, you know, three extra time games in a row. Yes. But, um, but you know, they. They had won a huge victory just by being there, and then mm-hmm. and then France showed what a quality side they are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I had France from the very get go to win it all, and there's a reason for that. I think I said to you on a previous podcast, Steve. They were the most tournament ready team. I felt they had a team of winners that had had won not only domestic leagues like the Premier League and, and Ligue 1 and La Liga, they also had cup winners in their team as well. They had Champions League winners. They had. FA Cup winners and uh, Copa del Rey winners and so on, you know. So, uh, and also they had a very good coach and Didier Deschamps as well. So, um, yeah, for me, France, the deserved winners. Um, you have to feel for Croatia because you know it's it, it's great to see every dog have its day, isn't it? From time to time, yeah. Um, from an underdog perspective, but um, what what a goal as well from Perisic as well. Absolutely yes. staggering goal when uh, when I saw him just 
drift away from the player on the edge of the penalty area. Um, the ball was was bouncing ever so slightly, but it was begging to be hit. And didn't he do just that? Yeah. It flew into the corner. You know, I, I had no um, no real uh, care as to who actually won the game. You know, I just wanted a, a good, entertaining game. Uh, but when that goal went in, um, I I went appropriately ape. It was, <laughs> you know, it yeah. was crazy. It was um, a, a fantastic goal. That the goal of the uh, of the final, in my opinion, and we we had plenty of them. So, um, you know, Croatia have given a staggering account of themselves. Yeah. Um, but France, they truly are going through a golden generation now. Um, yeah. And the thing is about their golden generation compared to to others, and and I think. When people talk about other teams going through a golden generation, I think some, for example, Belgium. Um, yes, agree. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I think this tournament would perhaps suggest they are, you know, going through maybe a slightly silver generation, not quite golden, sure. because France had the they say they had the players to go and, and perform at that level, <laughs> um, and as I said, for, for me as well. I think the coach had a, a massive impact on that as well, the way that Deschamps likes to play. Um, I thought France were deserved winners for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of that and the golden generation thing, one thing I wanted to touch on is the fact that they were the second youngest team at the tournament behind Nigeria. Do you feel like that's, I mean, that's really setting them up for a period of, of, of dominance um, overall as, as, a, as a footballing power? I mean, you know, Mbappe being 19, yeah. he's got he's got a couple more World Cups. Yes, him. he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> if he looks after himself, he's got, you know, maybe four ahead of him. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't argue with that. Um, you know, we've seen it in the past, haven't we, where Spain were, were fabulous. They went and won the Euros and then the World Cup, or, or vice versa, rather. Um, and then uh, Germany did something similar as well when they had a, a, a arguably a, a decade of dominance, really. And, and yeah, maybe it's the turn of France now, who, yeah. um, you know, who just seem to... The French have always developed really good footballers. They've always been um, a good side. Um, they obviously, not this... Um, World Cup just gone, obviously, but um, I think it was the South African World Cup where they were a complete shambles. Mm-hmm. Um, went out much earlier than they were expected to, and, and there was a real issue, obviously, uh, within the French Football Federation uh, and the locker room there. Um, but they've they've fought through it. They've gotten themselves some absolutely tremendous young players. It, it's it's frightening, Steve, when you think Kylian Mbappe is 19. Yeah. I mean, let's just put that into perspective for a second. What were you doing at 19? <laughs> you know? Everybody's asking you know. me this, and I don't know what to say. I'm like, listen, I wasn't doing anything. Like, yeah. I was, I, I was, uh, I was a junior, in, video co- games I was junior in college. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I didn't go abroad when I should have gone abroad. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, playing music. I was in a band. I mean, that's cool. Okay, that's cool. It's not winning a World Cup cool, but it's uh, <laughs> it's okay, you know. Yeah, and I just, uh, now for me, that the key thing for Mbappe is where does he go from here? Um, when I first saw him come on the scene at Monaco, I thought to myself, yeah, I mean, this kid's a real talent, obviously, and he, he made his debut, and I think he would, he's just turned 17, I think. Um Obviously, there was uh, all sorts of, of whispers. Speculation was ripe about where he was going to go, and several big names around the world were mentioned, big clubs. Um, and he ended up at Paris Saint-Germain, and, and I kind of thought to myself, I, you know, it, it, it's a good movie to step up, no doubt. Sure. But I kind of thought to myself, I, I think you, you know, you, you maybe could have gotten a move at a, at a bigger club in a, in a better league. Mm-hmm. But now that I think about it, I'm not entirely sure 
that if he would have gone to a Real Madrid, for example, or a Barcelona, he would have played as much football as he actually has at Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. So it's been uh, the right move for him, I think. Yeah. But now, obviously, after winning the World Cup... He won't struggle going, to get a game again. Going somewhere, yeah. So I wonder now. I mean, th- th- there's always going to be speculation with with superstar players like this. Yeah. But I wonder does does one of the the big boys come in? It looks like Eden Hazard is is going to be uh, leaving Chelsea. Uh, does that mean there's a gap there? Would he fancy coming to the Premier League? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, would he? Uh, I I personally think he'll he'll end up being firmly linked. Maybe there'll be an approach from from either Real Madrid or Barcelona for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think the and and the French team overall and and Mbappe is as one of these guys is just a testament to the you know embracing diversity and mm-hmm. you know the the immigrant culture there and everything like that, which is you know something we talk a lot about with this team. I mean, it's something we really want for Minnesota United to represent mm-hmm. uh, and to try to include as many people as possible from you know the Twin Cities and all over, and you know bring the game to people who don't know about it, but also bring in people who do know about the game and say you know. Like we want to be part of this, absolutely, we're yeah. part of the world's game, and so that was it was a great it was a great testament to that. You look at that the makeup of that team, and and you know to your point about uh, French footballers, it a lot of different kinds of footballers too. I oh, mean, absolutely. like you know Patrick Vieira is very different from Kylian Mbappe. It's mm-hmm. very different from Thierry Henry. You know, mm-hmm. like there's it's it, sometimes you sort of like okay the Brazilians, you know the, the ball handling, the, the trickery that this is mm-hmm. how they do things. You know, like the defenders from Italy, things like that. But it's like I feel like in 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 France you see a lot of really good players who play a lot of different kinds of roles. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point, Steve. When you think about some of the let's say some of the backline, for example, um, you know Umtiti is a very different centre-half to that of uh, Varane. Right. You know? Um, sure. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's obviously played its part as well. But um, just going back to, to the um, point you were making earlier on as well about the Twin Cities and, and being uh, the way it is, I mean, what, what a fabulous international melting pot we have here in the Twin Cities. That's I, true. I, I yeah. think it's wonderful. And um, th- there's no doubt the, the Twin Cities were, were firmly um, gripped by the World Cup. Um I remember we were uh, we were heading to Houston Dynamo, and I was in an Uber going to the airport uh, one of the mornings, uh, Friday morning or whenever it was, um, and uh, I had the uh, in, in fact it was the France game. I can't remember who they were playing, but I had the France game on my phone, and the Uber driver, you know, we exchanged pleasantries as we got sure. in. You know, we picked up Callum, blah 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 blah. Yep, great, no problem. We didn't say a word to each other then for probably about ten minutes. Um, he had his earphones in. And I okay. kind of thought, all right, well, I don't know, maybe he's listening to a podcast, maybe he's sure. listening to our podcast, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Maybe he's maybe. just, you know, he's maybe he's, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. But anyway, um, it, it, uh, it then, um, very much to my surprise uh, and, and pleasure, made me giggle when uh, France hit a free kick over the bar. It was only just over the bar as well. And I did one of those, ooh. Yeah. He did the exact same because <laughs> he was exactly listening to it on the radio. That's amazing. And then literally, yeah. you know, we sort of both glanced at each other quickly and next thing you know, he took one of the earpieces out and we were just talking about football, talking about the World Cup for, yeah. for the rest of the journey. I yeah. mean, it, it truly is the world's game. That's you know, he, he was he was listening to the game in, in French as well. Um, I think he said he was from Senegal. Okay. Um, so, again, like, I mean, just, just a tremendous international melting pot we have here. And, yeah. Uh, I've had a couple of those kind of experiences during the World Cup, and, you know, they made me smile for sure. Yeah. No, that's really fun, and I hope there's just there's more and more of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, it's fantastic. So my last World Cup-related thought, uh, it, it, a recommendation to you, Cal, if you have not checked it out, but to anybody, is to check out American Fiasco, which is a podcast uh, 
hosted by Roger Bennett of oh. Men in Blazers, yep. where he looks into uh, the U.S.'s showing disappointing showing in the '98 World Cup, essentially. Okay. Over, uh, he sort of takes it from a little bit of '90 and then '94, and then talks about that success in '94, mm-hmm. and then goes into very close detail on exactly what went into making up the team that went to the '98 World Cup. Um, it's about ten episodes long. Each one's about half an hour, so it's a real deep dive. Cool. Where Roger is a fantastic host. Yep, he's got a ton of personality. He talks to. Uh, Steve Sampson, who was the coach mm-hmm. then, and his decisions. He talks to uh, Alexi Lalas, Eric Winalda, Jeff Agus, uh, like just everybody basically who was involved cool. with it. Uh, highly recommend it. It's a it's a fun deep dive into, into soccer and and gets into a lot of the stuff that I really like, which is about you know the what you try to do to both win games, but also create a team, and also you know, the, the coach's role in sort of shaping that team, but the player's role in shaping that team and, you know, how decisions were made and then what we learned from those decisions after the fact. Um, you know, there's just a, there's a lot of depth in there. And I think he's very comfortable getting into spots where you can't really say, you can sort of see both sides. Mm-hmm. You can see why Steve Sampson would say, go to this three, six, one formation that seemed very unusual for how they've been playing. But you can also see, uh, you know, why it was maybe not the best idea. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a fun podcast. Podcast. So American Fiasco, highly recommend checking it out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to MLS. Uh, recent win over over RSL. Uh, obviously, it's great to get three points at home. Yep. Start of a three-match homestand. Adrian was not super happy after the game, uh, if, if, if anybody was paying attention to that. So, um, it, you know, I think Adrian's concern is, is obviously valid. I mean, the, the team has a problem of now that we've begun to score – uh, which was not happening for a while. I think we had not scored more than two goals in a match, and now you know we fed Darwin's hat trick, and then we had you know three goals in this last game as well. Um, it, but we're also conceding goals, and in Colorado that meant losing three two, I believe, and then yep. it meant winning four three and winning three two, and that's that's not a thing that Adrian is satisfied with, nor should I think he should be satisfied with. What do you think? First of all, what do you think of of Talk to me a little bit about Adrian's reaction and then also what the team can do to improve in those areas, do you think? First of all, it, it's never easy with Minnesota sports teams, is it? You know, it's, no. Uh, <laughs> Can't ever just w- win outright. Right? I've only been here 18 months and I'm, I'm learning this very quickly. Um, you know, it's edge of your seat stuff. It really is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this for me, um, it highlights, uh, you know, a, a deeper issue that we've had for a long time. You and I have, have discussed it many a time on this podcast and that's, my opinion, the back line don't have enough protection. Mm-hmm. If you look at the three centre-halves that Minnesota United have at their disposal at the moment that started on Saturday, um, I was having this conversation with somebody over the weekend. I, I don't think there are many in this league that I would swap in, in an exchange deal for any of the three players that we have at the back. Yeah. The, the three of them are fine defenders. The yeah. three of them do a very good job. Now, having said that, obviously, if you if you get a big superstar centre half from wherever, then okay, you you, you make room. Right. Um, or, or if you get someone uh, like uh, Matt Beasler from Kansas City, or something, yeah. you know, players like that, I understand you would make room for. But, but they're working well together. That's the. Other, I mean, especially with I think if you're looking at at, at the centre backs, mm-hmm. you know the. It, there's a lot of chemistry that's important there, yep. and you know, f- f- even despite some 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 lapses or some some failings or, or some shortcomings, yep. as a whole, I feel like that Boxel, Kalman, Calvo, 
trio has real potential. You know? I wouldn't, as I said, Steve, I wouldn't swap them for, for many in this league. So I, I don't necessarily think it's, you know, are they perfect? No, but I don't necessarily think the blame can be entirely forced on them. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say so. You know, I, I think, as, as we have said before, um, Minnesota United are in desperate need of a holding midfielder. Um, and until that is resolved, I think we'll be sitting on the edge of our seats for a, you know, for a while. So, yeah. um, obviously, the window is open. We've brought in two tremendously um, gifted international players who I can't wait to see. Um, but there's no doubt they are looking for a number six. They're looking within the league now because they want to get something done this month. Obviously, international transfers can take a while. Right. So, um, you know, I think... Um, I, I think they get something done. Haven't heard anything. I'm purely speculating here, but right. um, I, I think this is something they know that they need to go and get done as well. So I'm, I'm confident that the Loons will have a, a player over the next coming weeks, no doubt. Yeah, um, but to focus a little more on the positives as well, Darwin Quintero. I oh. mean, follows up <laughs> follows up a hat trick with a match with one goal and two assists. Um, I mean, he impressed us almost immediately. Um, and then I think he, I mean, it would be overstating it to say he had sort of a fallow period, but I think the, the initial burst of, of, uh, other teams not knowing what to do with him, uh, but him still finding those spaces and getting in there, followed up with a, a, a couple matches where I felt like he was fine. Mm. The last couple of matches, he's been on fire. Hmm. Um, it, do you think that's a sign of him becoming more comfortable with yeah. the team becoming more comfortable with him? And you know, where do you where do you think his ceiling is as a player in this league? Um, I think uh, you're right, Steve. It, it is a sign of him settling in. Every player needs that. You know, it's I would argue it's sort of eight to ten games of that settling in period. You know. Um, even a player of, of Quintero's quality needs that. So, um, where's his ceiling as a player? I, I don't know. Um, you know, there's no doubt against Toronto we, we saw... Um, I'm not even going to say we saw the best of him because I still think there's so much more to come. Yeah. And I do think he's a lot better than what we've seen. So, um, I, I, I'm not really sure I can answer the question, to be honest, Steve, because I don't know where his ceiling is. Um you know, there were one or two questionable defensive woes uh, in that game against Toronto. Um, you know, that uh, I think it was the uh, the third goal is um, the one when he sealed the hat-trick. Yeah. I, I questioned the TFC backline because they were jockey and they were dropping off a little too much, in my opinion. And Quintero was just like, right, well, OK, then you're not going to come and charge me down. <laughs> so, oh, the keeper's slightly off his line again. I'm going to dink it over him, no yeah. problem. Yeah. Um, by the way, as well, like, and I've had this debate with a few people, Cleet Irwin's positioning for those for all three goals. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. It's just Quintero's finishing yeah. was absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And you could arguably say the same about Romando as well and his positioning. I don't think it's I don't think he's in a bad position for a goalkeeper. He's yeah. got to go to the near post to cover. Yeah. Because most players, when they're in that position where Quintero is, they're either gonna go across goal. But as a, or, or they're going to try and go at the near post. And as a goalkeeper, you have to defend your goal. Yeah. You have to defend the near post because if it goes across, yeah, you might try and get something on it and push it away, but your main job is to protect your goal. When it comes across, it's the defender's job to clear it away. Right. So you're doing your job as a goalkeeper, I think, um, in doing exactly what Nick Romando was doing. And it was just so spectacular what Quintero did. 
Um, I, I really don't think that, that Ramondo's out of position, I, not, not even slightly. Yeah, yeah. I was a little curious because I know that Ramondo had sort of pulled up a, a little bit with a hammy And that like, may, may very well have its part, yeah. And I was wondering, I mean, I'm sort of wondering, I didn't get it. I, was, I talked to Calvo this morning in the training. I probably could have asked him as I was talking about some about that goal, but um, I didn't, you know, talk to Darwin about it or anything. But I was wondering if it was something that he was like, Okay, like his his hammy is a, 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 maybe a little bum. Like he's not going to be able to jump. Ramondo's not the tallest guy. Yep. You know why not go top shelf? Like just just see what you can do with a shot like that. I mean, he showed that he could do it against Toronto, hmm. and that, that the sort of the the addition. Of, I, I'm not. I don't. I, I don't want to say addition of that shot to his roster because I don't know what his entire. You know, I, I, I wasn't before he came here. I wasn't aware of what his range was or anything mm-hmm. like that. But given that a lot of what he does is get in between lines and then create spaces for other players to run into and we've seen his ability again with, with two assists yep. obviously he's a playmaker he has tremendous ability we knew he could finish a shot but some of the that was like long range shots that that are just over the keeper and just under the crossbar mm-hmm. you see him practicing those at, at training which is fun like there's a little contest going on with trying to hit those shots into into the net between like he and calvo and alexi and those guys so you know he's practicing them but man it's like if, if that's if that's a consistent danger oh. it, you know as you're a, as you're a defender you're just always put in an uncomfortable position facing him. All, all I know right now is if I'm Matt Turner for the revolution in goal, I'm not leaving my line. There's no way. I'm yeah, not don't get my it line at, at all, all aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Calvo also, um, you know, he had sort of a the, the homecoming from the World Cup was a little odd for him because he played in one match. He was suspended. Yep. He played a friendly against his former club. Now he, you know, he he played a couple more matches now. It, it, across the, 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 the three matches um, that, that were MLS matches, he has three assists now after not having anything going on before. Um, I asked him a little bit about if that was possibly related to the formation change, if that gets some different angles. He said he felt like it, it's just a matter of seeing it. It could happen from anywhere on the, on, on the field. But um, clearly, I mean, three assists in three games – it's pretty good for a center back. <laughs> that's, that's not bad at all. Yeah, and and they've um, you know they've been similar, but uh, yeah, I mean look the, the one thing I'll say about Calvo is he is actually a tremendous footballer, and I say that because you know a lot of a lot of defenders, particularly center backs, um, you, you know your role, and I certainly know I, I played at center half, Steve, not very well, but um, sure. I, uh, <laughs> I always whenever I got the ball at center half. All I wanted to do then was either spray it out wide to the right get it left as far back. away from you as possible. Yeah, right yeah. midfield, left midfield. I don't want this ball. Get it away from me. <laughs> um, because the, the, you know the, the sort of the global joke is like centre halves don't like you're not players. You don't know what you're doing. Like you're just there yeah. to to make challenges and defend the goal. You know you are the universal spoilers of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I am um, I'm surprised um, that Calvo has. The thing about it, Steve, is, is Calvo's not really had the ball at his feet probably as much as he would have wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with this system, um, with this three-man back line, he, he has had a, a bit more of the ball at feet, and he can actually, you know, he can actually go and, and, and take it forward a little bit and whatnot, yeah. you know. And, and I'm not sure Adrian Heath. It, <laughs> I don't think it's good for Adrian Heath's heart. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> Adrian seems to have mixed feelings about some of that. But, yeah. uh, but I just but, I feel like the left center back role in particular is is you know when when the team was playing the the four two three one, um, 
you know, people were talking about trying to move him out to left back. That was, you know, you hear people saying, oh, well, you know, he's mobile. He likes to get up the, the field mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, in some ways, the left center back position seems even better for him. And obviously he does well in that sort of configuration in Costa Rica because I, I don't know if I necessarily want him ranging all the way up, you know, up, up the pitch to mm-hmm. send in crosses. But it gives it allows him to move forward and see things a little bit while still having options to send it over to the wing back, mm-hmm. the left wing back, or to send it up the middle with some of the like a diagonal pass like we saw for that assist. So, I I like I like this role for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Adrian at any time could decide. You know, I, I want to go back to the four two three one, but yep. I do like this role with the with the three five two. Yeah, absolutely. And also, what I'll say there, Steve, as well is um, when Calvo is operating in a back four. Let's not forget it is tighter confines. You've only got so much room that you can move sure. into. Um, and I just think with this. How many times have we seen already during this 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, um, whatever Adrian prefers to call it, um, the centre-halves all have acres of space either side of them. We've seen them spread so wide. And I just think that's good for Calvo because yeah. he, he, he actually wants to play football. He doesn't just want to defend. Yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier on about him doing those you know competitions and drills and whatnot in, in training. Calvo's technically good enough to do that. You know, as a centre-half... Usually you wouldn't do things like that because you can't, um, you know, dink a ball and hit the crossbar from, you know, long range or, or, or even short range. You know, your, your passing range isn't quite as good as, as a midfielder or a centre forward would be because uh, that's not what you're trained to do. Um, but Calvo, um, this obviously helps with his, his um, South and Central American upbringing as well. They are bred differently down there as well. They're not just bred to defend. They are bred to actually play football as well. So, right. And obviously, Calvo, the, the the compliments that people pay to him all the time is that people said he should play at left back. They wouldn't be saying that if he couldn't play with the ball at his feet. Right. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So uh, And also at that match, uh, Adrian was amazingly only the second angriest coach who was involved <laughs> in that since Mike Petke had a, a bit of a rant after, after the match. Um, I, I can say, I mean, like in terms of his position, I don't know enough about a lot of the stuff he was talking about, and he had a lot of criti- criticism for the refs. I appreciate his his fire. Mm-hmm. I appreciate his passion, and I, I think Adrian said much the same thing that you know he he's always like Mike Petke. He's he's liked him as a coach, and and he appreciates that that element of him. Um, I, you know, I, I got to say, like without getting into the specifics of it, I think it's good overall in MLS to have, you know, people who are passionate like that and, yep. who, and who believe in what they're going to say and are, and are going to say, like, I believe in this. You can find me. I'm stepping up and I'm going to say something, you know, like whether mm-hmm. they're right or wrong. Yeah, I, for what it's worth, I'm a big Mike Petke fan as well. I, I think he's really, really good. A tremendous young coach who was um, bizarrely dismissed in, in New York uh, a couple of years ago. And I was delighted for him when I found out that he, he was coming back into MLS from uh, from USL. And, um yeah, I, I have no problem with his passion. Um, you know, and look, sometimes for, for the, the good of the game, sometimes you need a villain, don't you? Yeah. And he certainly played that role, uh, at least from a Minnesota United point of view, uh, on Saturday. Um, Mike will know, though. Um, he, he, he needs to, to watch it. He needs to be careful. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, I mean, the, the stuff that he said, I, I, was, uh, I went and had a, a beer with the Rail Salt Lake broadcasters after the, the game on Saturday, and... They had said that um, when they did their post-game show and, and Mike Petke came on to talk with them about the game, he said, I don't want to talk about referees. I just want to talk about the game. So they did. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after, I think they said five minutes later, the director got into the play-by-play guy's ear and said, 
Mike's back. Mike wants to talk again. <laughs> right. So, I mean, as as the, the broadcaster, you, you're going to go to the head coach. He's, he's who the people want to hear from. Right. So they went back, and he just went on an almighty rant. <laughs> um, so... I mean, <laughs> Mike may very well have woken up on Sunday morning regretting that slightly. Yeah. Um, no doubt he'll get a big fine. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it's a slap on the wrist. I love Petke's passion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, moving forward, I think I'm not sure we'll see something that aggressive again from Mike. Petke. Yeah, I did see on Twitter. <laughs> he said he he said after zero hours of sleep and <laughs> you know a lot of thinking about it. I do want to apologize for cursing. That was the only thing he oh, wanted geez, to apologize for. Right. So uh, so yeah, let go for it, Mike. I'm, I'm with you. Um, Let's look ahead a little bit to New England, who we yep. have coming up in a matter of, of hours, it feels like. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, they've obviously uh, done pretty well this season overall, 6-3-3 uh, three and three at home, but they're only 1-2-4 and four, mm-hmm. uh, away, so they'll probably be playing for that, that, that point uh, away against us. They're also going to be missing uh, Christian Pena, who got a, yep. a red card, and also Delamea and Caicedo. Uh, Caicedo, yes. Caicedo. There yes, you go. Guys. I got it on the right <laughs> first guess. Uh, that's a lot of guys to be missing mm-hmm. on the road. Um, what, what, what are you expecting from, from the Revolution? Well, you're right. They are missing a lot of players, but I still think because they've got a good roster, I think they're still going to be a stern test anyway. Um, yeah. Applause to, to Brad Friedel, by the way. Um, completely turned that team Done around. Done a great job. Yeah. Brought in some really good players. And finally, finally, somebody has realised and is playing Teal Bunbury as a centre-forward. <laughs> he played as centre-forward for Kansas City all those years ago, but he, he was in and out of the team because I remember CJ Sapong at the time was playing well. They had Omar Bravo at the time, and he just couldn't quite get a consistent run going. Um, so that's why he was traded to the Revolution. I think it was in 2014, I think. Um, but, you know, Jay Heaps, while he's been there, and I like Jay as a coach, um, and all the other sort of coaches that they have, they've, they've had as an interim uh, on an interim basis... They've all played Bunbury out wide because of his pace, and I get it. But right. Bunbury now has played 18 games and scored 10 goals as a centre-forward. He is a centre-forward, <laughs> you know. Um, so I'm, I'm delighted that Friedel has the footballing now to, to realise this. Um, and uh, he, he, he's the main threat, no doubt, because he will press. He will press the heck out of you. And um, he's a really good finisher in front of goal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the supporting cast around him have been good. Um, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, but Juan yeah. Agudelo has, has played well recently as well as, as, as a wide player. Um, you know, they've got some good protection as well. So um, the Revs are a good team. They, they are a good team. I like them this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they made the postseason. Um, but all credit um, to Brad Friedel. All signs will, will point to him. Uh, for the reason why the revolution have had this revolution. <laughs> oh, look at that. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate Friedel's, uh, like as you noted with, with Bunbury, like that, that ability to say, to not just look at a guy and look at sort of his tools and say this is what he should be, but instead, you know, try things and, and see what will work. Um, you know, much as I said last week about about Adrian Heath and this this formation and what it's done for Miguel Ibarra and just his ability to run all day, you know, you sort of, but you, you like, maybe you look at Miguel and you're like, well, he's small, you know, how much is he going to be able to defend? But he's getting back there and mixing it up in, in, in along in, the, in, in the, the last third for the other team, you know, he's back there. So yep. I appreciate that ability. My biggest problem with, with Teal Bunbury is that I keep feeling like he is, 
like a light blue colored rabbit on a children's show because of that name. Like <laughs> like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Like, you know, like my neighbor, Teal Bun- Bunbury. It sounds like an adorable British cartoon. <laughs> I, sure. I, if, if you say so. By the way, Teal Bunbury, Minnesota boy as well. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. I don't know why his parents named Teal. It's weird. <laughs> Does he have siblings? Do we know if they are also uh, yeah, colors? His, his sister is actually, um, she's been in a she couple of Ma- movies. Mom Bunbury. No. I have no idea what her name okay. is. I'll ask Teal, shall I? Okay, yeah. Teal, what's your sister's name again, mate? Yeah, no. <laughs> Nothing don't. weird or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a perfectly lovely person. It's just one of those name things. Like, you know, before I ever knew who he was, I knew the name and I was like, it sounds like a cartoon rabbit. So, I'll mention that to him, shall I? D- please don't. Or if you do, don't tell him that I said it because I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he could beat me up. So. Teal will be wandering around the Twin Cities looking for you. Yeah, yeah. I have other things I want to talk about because we have LAFC coming up as well and that's going to happen before the next podcast. But honestly, I feel like we've gone on long enough. Sure. We're going to talk about uh, Angelo Rodriguez. I'm going with Angelo. Is that... I, so, so I've Angelo? heard Angelo, Angelo, and Angelo. Angelo. So... We'll find out soon, I guess. We'll find out, right? <laughs> we saw Romario Ibarra was at, as, at training today. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's great to see him here. I don't know when these guys are going to play. I think maybe we'll save discussion of them as a whole for after they've they've played. Sure. Perhaps. The the one thing which I will say about Romario uh, Ibarra though is that I I don't think he's going to be quite ready to go ninety minutes quite yet. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, if you're you know from Minnesota United point of view, don't expect an instant impact straight away. Based based on the way Adrian has handled players coming into the team before. Yeah. I think it's usually safe to say, aside from like Darwin, who came in and I think didn't play against Atlanta, mm-hmm. but then played the next game against Portland. Like, right, right. Aside from that, it's usually going to be, especially with this this volume of games in in weeks here, it's probably mm-hmm. going to be one or two or three games before he starts. I mean, well, they'll maybe be in the eighteen, you know, yep, maybe yep. some, some time. But, but like, I don't feel like Adrian is rushing these guys out. So yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thanks for joining us for the 19th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next match is on Wednesday, July 18th against the New England Revolution. Kickoff for that is at 7 p.m. Please be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. Please. Please. Five stars. That's all we're asking. It's not that much. <laughs> more like an Uber driver. <laughs> follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom, and I'm at Steve Venturis. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.